How have shows like Breaking Bad, Rick and Morty, and movies like Fight Club and The Dark Knight helped to push a worldview that is completely contrary to the gospel? And what does it have to do with Friedrich Nietzsche? Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Have you not heard that madman who lit a lantern in the bright morning hours, ran to the marketplace and cried incessantly, I see God, I see God, as many of those who do not believe in God were standing around just then, he provoked much laughter. Has he got lost? asked one. Did he lose his way like a child? asked another. Or is he hiding? Is he afraid of us? Has he gone on a voyage? Immigrated? Thus they yelled and laughed. The madman jumped into their midst and pierced them with eyes. Whither is God? he cried. I will tell you, we have killed him. You and I, all of us are his murderers. But how did we do this? How could we drink up the sea? Who gave us the sponge to wipe away the entire horizon? What were we doing when we unchained this earth from its sun? Whither is it moving now? Whither are we moving? Away from all suns. Are we not plunging continually backward, sideward, forward in all directions? Is there still any up or down? Are we not straying as through an infinite nothing? Do we not feel the breath of empty space? Has it not become colder? Is not night continually closing in on us? Do we need not to light lanterns in the morning? Do we hear nothing as yet of the noise of the gravediggers who are burying God? Do we smell nothing as yet of the divine decomposition? Gods, too, decompose. God is dead. God remains dead, and we have killed him. How shall we comfort ourselves, the murderers of all murderers? What was holiest and mightiest of all that the world has yet owned has bled to death under our knives. Who will wipe this blood off of us? What water is there for us to clean ourselves? What festivals of atonement, what sacred games shall we have to invent? Is not the greatness of this deed too great for us? Must we ourselves not become gods simply to appear worthy of it? There has never been a greater deed, and whoever is born after us for the sake of this deed he will belong to a higher history than all history hither to. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And what I just read for you was a parable, the parable of the madman written by Friedrich Nietzsche back in 1882. And this parable really did discuss what they were going to do in that time and in that day and age in the 19th century, when scientists believed at that time, many of them with Darwinian evolution being popularized and so forth, that they had put a, an end for the need of God. And what Nietzsche was really asking about there is, what do we do? Where do we get our moral code, our moral compass? What do we do now that we have no need for God? While the question itself is a ridiculous one, and Nietzsche, I believe, has been proven to be falsified in his understanding of who God truly is and 
he really did become a madman at the end of his life. The truth is, is that the Bible has always warned about this mindset. The Bible says in Psalm 14:1 that the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. And in fact, it says that his deeds are corrupt. And in Romans, the very first chapter, we are given a clear understanding that God has made through his divine attributes, through his creative order, he has made it clear to us inside of us that we know good and well that there is a creator, but our foolish hearts are darkened. The truth is, is that we, those who deny the existence of God, the humans who do that, suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They hold down the jack-in-the-box as they turn the lever and say, we just can't find him anywhere. It's been said that the atheist cannot find God, the same reason that the thief cannot find a police officer. It's because he's hiding from him. And this, I say, not just simply as, hey, this is my opinion and so forth, but I was there at one point. I was in this predicament where I no longer believed in God and I had to try to make up different gods and different reasons and have some own, my own thought processes of how I was going to live my life morally even though I no longer believed in God. And these are the kind of things that you think about. Well, what do I do now? Honestly, how do I go forward now? And we're going to go over not only what Nietzsche came up with as his idea and why it is somewhat ridiculous, especially when we really get into it. And I do believe ultimately it was demonic, but I want you to see that this promulgating of this philosophy is something that is so popular in so much of the media today, so popular in TV shows and in movies. And the truth is, is this mindset, this worldview and philosophy is something that has been promoted and propagandized before the eyes of so many, not only parents, but their children as well. The philosophy we want to discuss here today is none other than nihilism. And really, it's just a repackaged philosophy of denying the one true God and who he is. And it's warned about in Scripture. We can see this in 2 Peter, the third chapter, when it talks about the scoffers in the last days that basically say everything is just cyclical. There is not a culmination where God is going to come back and be with us, but that we are just in a cycle. There is no ultimate meaning to any of this. And so what we have over and over again is the Bible warning us that this is going to be the philosophy of the day people that believe in nihilism, or at least the practice of it, because so many people may not be nihilist where they don't believe in anything and don't believe in an afterlife, but they live like they do. And so we're seeing an apathetic viewpoint. Really, the religion of apathy is one of the most difficult, I would say, cults <laughs> to try to share the truth of the gospel with to try to wake them up to the reality that, guess what? When you die, you don't just get to go into the dirt. That we are, we live in a metaphysical reality. There are things outside of us. We are not simply just bouncing around to our DNA, but we really do have a non-physical realm that we're going to have to deal with that when it comes to after we pass on from this life and then we stand before God. But I want you to see that so many of popular shows, 
have honestly been pushing nihilism in one fashion or another. In fact, there is a different type of nihilism, two different types that I want to look at when it comes to how it's promulgated in media. Because one way to do this is through character-driven nihilism, where the characters in the film and movies and so forth are simply just empty vessels. They're useless, they're arbitrary, and provide nothing in terms of a redemptive role. I think that one of the shows that might drive this home is none other than the show Seinfeld, which was one of the most popular shows in America at the time. I think it was the most popular show in America when Jerry Seinfeld and the rest of the crew decided they were no longer going to do those shows. But you have to listen to how the characters being meaningless and then also the plot-driven nihilism that looks to really be a lot of what Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David had come up with when it comes to Seinfeld. And in fact, it's really interesting because Jerry Seinfeld himself actually played a nihilist in the show, but not like you're thinking, because at the time, even though the show is admittedly about nothing, Jerry Seinfeld himself actually played a depressed person because George was out on a date and he was the funny guy and he didn't want Jerry to be funny around him. So Jerry starts talking as if he's depressed and birthdays mean absolutely nothing except for the sad reality that we live in. Well, birthdays are merely symbolic of how another year has gone by and how little we've grown. No matter how desperate we are that someday a better self will emerge, each flicker of the candles on the cake, we know it's not to be. But for the rest of our sad, wretched, pathetic lives, this is who we are to the bitter end. Inevitably, irrevocably. Happy birthday. No such thing. And while Jerry may be in jest there and using that as a tool of being funny in the show, the truth is, is that these vapid characters really bring nothing but moral ambiguity and do nothing to provide any redemptive storyline in all of the seasons of Seinfeld combined. And while this is, oh, it's funny, it's tongue-in-cheek and so forth for people, the truth is, is this is a philosophy over and over that has been repackaged in different ways and is getting more and more popular when it comes to the TV and movie scene. In fact, IMDb, the database for movies, actually has a list of movies and TV shows that would fit those who would like to watch films and TV that are actually nihilistic. When you click into the category there, the number one show or movie by popularity that is nihilistic happens to be none other than the cartoon Rick and Morty. And they even try to have somewhat of a optimistic nihilism in their show. So you can hear them actually talking that and trying to provide for themselves some meaning in this nihilistic world that they're living in. Can I show you something? Morty, no offense, but a drawing of me you made when you were eight isn't going to make me feel like less of an accident. That out there, that's my grave. Wait, what? On one of our adventures, Rick and I basically destroyed the whole world. So we bailed on that reality and we came to this one because in this one, the world wasn't destroyed. And in this one, we were dead. 
So we came here, and, and, and we buried ourselves, and we took their place. And every morning, Summer, I eat breakfast 20 yards away from my own rotting corpse. So... You're not my brother? I'm better than your brother. I'm a version of your brother you can trust when he says don't run. Nobody exists on purpose. Nobody belongs anywhere. Everybody's gonna die. Come watch TV. And while that show may think this will provide some sort of meaning, even though they're showing there actually is no meaning by dying for everyone else and going and watching TV, these are the things, the sports of the day, the movies of the day, so much of literature of the day is simply something that can take your eyes and ears and thought life away from the reality that one day you are going to die. And this is exactly what is going on in these films. And him even mentioned it. Let's go watch some TV in light of all of these things that there is no meaning. There's no intrinsic value in people. We're not made in the Imago Dei, in the image of of God. And so guess what? Ultimately, there is no meaning. No one cares about you. And you are exactly what Richard Dawkins, the famous atheist, described you as. You are simply molecules dancing to the beat of your DNA. You have no choices. There is no good. There is no bad. And this is the viewpoint that is propagated over and over and over again in shows. And one of the most popular shows in recent memory, I think, describes this very, very clearly, or at least showcases this very, very clearly. And that is none other than the show Breaking Bad, where you have the two main characters being Walter White and Jesse Pinkman. Walter White was a high school teacher, and as a high school teacher, he actually is diagnosed with cancer. He's a very intelligent man, and so he comes up with a formula to sell methamphetamines and uses none other than Jesse Pinkman to help sell these drugs. Now, what takes place is, and this is exactly what happens, this nihilistic viewpoint, it makes morals ambiguous. So now the man who was a high school teacher with a son and a wife and so forth is now needing to do this to help his cancer treatment. But you watch him turn into a very evil, evil person. And what takes place is he watches because he can continue selling more drugs and having the power and the money. Uh, he watches actually his partner in crime there, Jesse Pinkman, his girlfriend, die in a drug overdose in her own vomit when he could actually save her. And this is where you see that he has really crossed the line in so many different ways. Not that he hadn't already, but this is exactly how they showcase this ambiguous moral code. And ultimately, anyone can be this. This is anyone can fall into this trap, and we're all just making decisions based on our DNA dancing around. And this is actually the case that it is attempted to be made by none other than the Joker in The Dark Knight. This is a very clear representation of this. In fact, Alfred, the butler of Batman, actually decides he is going to explain to Batman, to Bruce Wayne, exactly the type of person that he thinks that the Joker is. And listen to him describe what really the Joker wants is not money or power, but to simply watch the world burn. Criminals aren't complicated, Alfred. 
We just need to figure out what he's after. With respect, Master Wayne, perhaps this is a man you don't fully understand either. A long time ago, I was in Burma. My friends and I were working for the local government. They were trying to buy the loyalty of tribal leaders by bribing them with precious stones. But their caravans were being raided in a forest north of Rangoon by a bandit. So we went looking for the stones. But in six months, we never met anyone who traded with him. One day, I saw a child playing with a ruby the size of a tangerine. The bandit had been throwing them away. So why steal them? Well, because he thought it was good sport. Because some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. And when it comes to that character, the Joker, what his attempt is in that film is to show that people are really evil deep down. And ultimately, everyone could be just like him as the Joker, because I think he's trying to showcase that all of this is ultimately meaningless. And while Batman is eventually able to stop him and show that there are still some good people, even prisoners that'll throw out and not bomb someone else, uh, a thing of innocent people and so forth. The truth is, is the Joker is the main character in this story. He's the one. Heath Ledger's role is what gets remembered out of everything else in this film. And these ideas continued to be propagated. And there was another film, and it's interesting because it's become somewhat of a cult classic, and that is the movie Fight Club, starring none other than Edward Norton and, of course, Brad Pitt. Now, Edward Norton is the narrator in the film, and he is living a very meaningless life and ultimately is just a consumer of goods, and he's really excited about Ikea and getting the right wardrobe, and all of a sudden, he gets into an airplane, and this guy, Tyler Durden, is next to him. And Tyler Durden has an entirely different worldview and is now explaining to him how he needs to get out of this consumer mentality and get out of just being a copycat of everything else and really find freedom in this. Only problem is eventually everyone in their fight club turns into the same exact person with a shaved head who just beat each other up. But you see some of these nihilistic viewpoints throughout the film the entire time. In fact, one of the quotes in the film is when he says this, the narrator. I let go. Lost in oblivion. Dark and silent and complete. I found freedom. Losing all hope was freedom. Babies don't sleep this well. Because he was an insomniac, and it was the first time that he really was able to sleep because he was able to give up all hope. And what's interesting is if we did theoretically kill God, we have given up all hope. And what do we do? What are we going to do if we've given up all hope? We have no hope in this world, no hope in the world after. What are we going to do? And that is what Friedrich Nietzsche tried to come up with. That was the idea that he was trying to answer. 
And what he came up with was known as the Ubermensch, or some of you may know him as the Superman. But this Ubermensch was going to be psychologically strong. He was ready to master this life and this world and only concerned with this life. Believing an afterlife will cause someone to be distant from this world, but we need to rise above the previous morality of the Christians and create a morality for themselves and a new moral code that all of these supermen, all of these new ubermenches were going to do. They were going to have their own moral code, their own moral standards, and they would be able to do what thou wilt. That's exactly what Nietzsche prescribed through the idea of the ubermensch, was that they were there was going to be this new moral code not based on the Christian God of the Bible. And so that's what he came up with. But it's interesting. The Bible says over and over again that there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. The Bible is very clear that people can get into this mentality. And what should we do? Where should we find hope in all of this when this is what's going on? It's interesting because Ecclesiastes chapter 9 is a really interesting chapter. And some people, when reading Ecclesiastes, I believe maybe don't get to the very end or don't understand that Solomon, the king who had just about everything you could have in this life in terms of the pleasures that this world provides, and yet I want you to hear what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 9. He said, It is the same for all. There is one fate for the righteous and for the wicked, for the good, for the clean, and for the unclean, for the man who offers a sacrifice and for the one who does not sacrifice. As the good man is, so is the sinner. As the swearer is, so is the one who is afraid to swear. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that there is one fate for all men. Therefore, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil, and insanity is in the heart throughout their lives. Afterwards, they go to the dead. For whoever is joined with all the living, there is hope. Surely, a live dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know they will die, but the dead do not know anything, nor have they any longer a reward, for their memory is forgotten. Indeed, their love, their hate, and their zeal have already perished, and they will no longer have a share in all that is done under the sun. Go then, eat your bread in happiness, and drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has already approved your works. Let your clothes be white all the time, and let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which she has given to you under the sun. For this is your reward in life and in your toil in which you have labored under the sun. You see, Solomon had a very ugly viewpoint here. Some would say he was an existentialist trying to look for a reason and a meaning, even though there really intrinsically is none. So we just make up our own meaning, have Get drunk for eat and drink for tomorrow we die anyways, right? Well, Paul corrects that in 1 Corinthians 15. And if you know 1 Corinthians 15, that is the chapter of the resurrection, not only the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the gospel that we believe unless we believe in vain, that we hold fast to the gospel, that Jesus Christ died according to the scriptures for your sins and that he was risen again on the third day, according to the scriptures. And if you believe that, or as Romans chapter 10 says, if you 
believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you are saved. Cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ right now and you are saved. But it's interesting because not only does Paul talk about that in 1 Corinthians 15, but one of the things he says in 1 Corinthians 15 is, we know there is a resurrection of the dead. We know there's an afterlife. And one of the things that he puts everything on, actually not one of the things, the thing he puts everything on. He says, if this didn't happen, my preaching is in vain. And so is, so is your faith. We're dead in our sins. We could be nihilists all we want. But Jesus Christ rose from the, from the grave. We can't be nihilists because we know full well about the risen Savior. We know that he appeared before over 500 witnesses. We know that the very same disciples who ran away scared when little girls came to them and said, don't you know Jesus, were the ones who were willing to die for the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the gospel. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 31 and 32. I affirm, brethren, by the boasting in which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If from human motives, I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus, what does it profit me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And he summarized a lot of what is said in Ecclesiastes chapter nine, but he's saying it's wrong. It's not, it's not right. But the book of Ecclesiastes did get it right in the end. And I'll leave you with this because this is exactly what Solomon said at the end of his life, looking back at the sins he had committed and ultimately giving some really sage advice by way of the Holy Spirit. Ecclesiastes 12, 9 through 14. In addition to being a wise man, the preacher also taught the people knowledge and he pondered, searched out and arranged many proverbs. The preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. The words of wise men are like goads and masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. They are given by one shepherd. But beyond this, my son, be warned, the writing of many books is endless and excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. The conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person for God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden whether it is good or evil. This has been Chad Davidson, and this is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available, or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.